Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Tom, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Man, I'm doing wonderful. Good. How I've got I a problem on my, on my old house. We, let, we have a well. And it has that uh, sulfur smell or rusty rotten egg. looking water. Yeah, rotten egg. There you go. Uh, how do? How? What can I do to? What kind of filtering can I put on there to? Or is it something else I need to do rather than filtering? I don't know. No, you. you there's a couple of different ways you can address it. Um, some of the older wells actually would pump into a holding tank. And then you would get your water from the holding tank in to to use. And just by letting it sit, that sulfur smell goes away. That rotten egg smell goes away. But that doesn't help with the hardness of the water because it's still going to have a lot of minerals in it and such. Uh, so typically nowadays what happens is you run it through a softener and a filtration system in order to take that smell and minerals out of it. Okay. Is there a recommended type? I mean, mm. I've, I've already got a whole home regular canister filter, but obviously that doesn't help. No, it's um, uh, it would yeah. It's usually one of the larger type systems, and the water softener helps a lot with it as well. Uh, and it's going to depend, you know, as far as what type. It's going to depend on how severe it is. So they have to do the water test first. And then they can design a system around the water source. And I I can tell you, I've got one uh, at the uh, deer lease. We have severe sulfur smell there. And I used a Brita system, you know, just like uh, the little Brita Brita things you get for in the refrigerator uh, to filter water. Well, they make whole house systems as well. And we use that at the deer lease, and it works great. Is it a series of a couple of different filters? Is that yes, what it sir. is? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. based on after the water test was done, then they know which filters to put in and and the water softener itself. Uh, and, you know, that, that's what cleared everything up for us. Let's head over to Rockwall. And, John, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, I have two odor questions. Uh, one would be we have a gas water heater. And from time to time, my wife seems to think she smells a bit of a gas odor. It, it isn't often, it isn't strong, and I bought one of those detectors from one of the home improvement stores to see if it would detect any gas when she smelled it. And to this point, uh, it, we've never really caught anything on the detector. Okay. And where is the water heater is it uh downstairs in the closet next to our bedroom okay so then where is she smelling the odor in in the bedroom correct yeah it then it very well could be from that uh and it maybe is being caused by ventilation issues Mm -hmm. if your vent gets blocked or the wind blows in the right direction Mm-hmm, uh, it, mm-hmm. it can blow some of that back in to the house. 
Okay, yeah, that could make sense because there is a uh, a passageway for air coming out of that closet where the water heater is into our bedroom. Yeah. Um, is it? I mean, it's been going on for a long time. It's nothing that just started. Is it something to you know kind of? Uh, be curious about or, you know, just not particularly worry about it. Well, if you've, if you've been testing for it and, and it hasn't been setting off the the right. tester and stuff, you, you probably don't have anything to be overly concerned about yet. Uh, okay. Remember, the odor that gas, natural gas has is, is actually added to the gas. And so mm-hmm. just because you smell the odor doesn't mean the gas is going to be there. The gas yeah, itself could right. have burned off already, but you still got a little bit of odor. Yeah. Would some of the odor kind of be caused by, I mean, when when a water heater starts up and it gets ignited, of course, the gas has to come on first. So there is right. a gas and then before it gets lit. So that could be kind of the puff that we might be smelling. Yeah. And so. like I said, more than likely when the wind hits it just right, it probably gives it a downdraft instead of the updraft it needs to I take it you. out. Definitely. Okay. Okay. That's the one question. Great. Thanks on that. Okay. Uh, second question is I have a bathroom uh, far end of the house uh, that it appears to when you flush it, um, you will get a sewer smell in a radius of uh, probably, say, 15 feet. Uh, again, uh, not super strong, but strong enough that, you know, when you smell sewage in your kitchen, it, it yeah. isn't uh, Especially at a dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> Not appetizing? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, that can be caused by a couple things. Again, that uh, that can be a venting issue. If the vent's not going up like it should or has a break in it, that can cause that type of situation. Uh, it can also be caused if there's a break in a sewer line. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so that's one that probably needs to be checked as well. Um, okay. How old a house is it? Uh, built in 75. Yeah. I mean, you could still have some cast iron under that one that could have a, a leak in it. I mean, that'd be the tail end of the cast iron, but definitely could have it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And if that's the case, that, that could be where you're getting that odor. Uh, is there any way for me to be able to test either of those ways? Uh, if you want to test... For the, for the sewer system to make sure mm-hmm. it doesn't have breaks, find mm-hmm. find the clean out outside and get you what's called a test ball. And you can get those at any plumbing supply store like Moore or Morrison or Ferguson. Okay. And you'll drop it down into the line, blow it mm-hmm. up, and fill the entire system with water and mm-hmm. see if and see if it holds. If it holds, you don't have a leak. Gotcha. If it doesn't hold, you got a leak and... Then you get into doing what's called isolation, and you'll need a plumber for that. Okay, very good. Well, and of Jim, course, we would so we at Do West. We'd love to take care of that for you. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir, so much. You're welcome. You. Take care. Uh, I just wanted to address plumbing issues for a minute because there's a lot of people who are starting to get a little upset. They can't get a plumber out to replumb the house or to, um, you know, uh, change out faucets and things like that the plumbers are still swamped with people that don't have water and that is the their priority most plumbing companies are addressing things along this line if you don't have water surface service because your lines are leaking you're high priority you're first 
after that comes people who uh, need to take care of what was a temporary fix and make it a permanent fix so that they can rebuild. Then will come cosmetic stuff like faucets and, and things like that. And it, it's really just being done that way. And, and like I said, most companies I know of are, are operating under that in order to get everybody back up with plumbing. There's not enough plumbers in the state of Texas to address the damage that happened in a matter of two weeks. It's going to take a little time. Have some patience. And if your water is running, please rest assured, the plumbers want to be there and take care of it, but they got to get everybody's running first. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. John? Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, uh, I just had a question. I've got a deck that I want to redo. We built it in about 1980 out of uh, Redwood, and it's getting in pretty bad shape. And uh, I'm thinking that I had read or seen about some stuff that's supposed to be, it's like recycled, made out of recycled stuff, and it's supposed to look like wood and cut like wood, but it doesn't rot near as bad. Oh, yeah, you're talking about like treks. Okay, Uh no, it's, a synth- thought, it's a synthetic deck board. Yeah. Now, I thought that uh, it was like one of the big box store brands, but uh, when I go in uh, Abilene and, and ask them about it, they they look at me like I'm stupid. No. So that's something you just got to order from. Uh, the, some lumber yards carry it. Uh, yeah. Most don't. Uh, yeah. And some of, some of the box stores, like Lowe's and Home Depot, do carry it in stock. Yeah. But again... A lot of them don't, and and when they do carry it, they don't carry as much. But here's some cautionary notes for you, though. Yeah. How far apart are your joists on this deck? Well, uh, right now, I think they're two foot, but uh, when I go back, I can do whatever I want with it, you know? Yeah, and you would want to cut that in half then because... uh, Really? Yeah, with a synthetic deck, it -hmm. it doesn't have the structural strength of wood, and so Mm -hmm. the span between your joist has to be less. Um, I think you can get away with 16, but 12 is what's really recommended. Otherwise, oh, okay. as it heats up and you walk on it and stuff, you can get yeah. sags Sag in a little. it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, would I be better off to do it with some wood and put some of that uh, seal you've been advertising on it? That's what I did on my own. Yeah. And, and honestly, well, I went. I, 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 did, I did redwood, and yeah. I, I used a regular two-by material. Right. I'm not sure if I can get redwood around here anymore. Uh, reckon I could in over in the Metro Mess. Yeah, there's there's a uh, uh, place in uh, Carrollton that carries cedar and redwood. Okay. What are your thoughts about geothermal for residential new construction? Pros and cons. Thank you. You know, if you go back about I don't know ten fifteen years ago geothermal was huge because the r the, the r the uh sear rating on it just made it extremely energy efficient and the way a geothermal system works is it's taking moisture or the coolness from the ground and using that to cool the house and in the winter months takes the heat from the ground and uses that to heat the house basically here in texas they drill down Uh, roughly 200 feet, and put tubes into the ground in a gel. 
and the the temperature of the soil itself uh, cools the liquid that's in the pipes that are down through that gel. And that's what they use then to go up into the system and circulate and blow air over the coils and into the home. And so, yes, it's it's really extremely energy efficient and, and all that. But here's the deal. It's, th- it's a 36-seer rating, typically. With the new um, mini splits and uh, ductless systems that are available and, and even some of the variable speeds, the SEER ratings are getting so close that it's it's actually kind of making it not cost-effective to do geothermal anymore because the cost of drilling those holes and doing all that work is expensive. And so typically a geothermal system will run you about double that of a normal air conditioning system. And you don't save enough in the energy efficiency any longer to offset it. Like I said, if you take a look at a at a ductless system, for instance, some of those are operating on a 32 SEER rating versus the 36 SEER rating that the geothermal systems operating on it just doesn't pay for itself and so honestly there was a point in time 15 years ago if i was building a new house i would have looked at geothermal now the big advantage that geothermal has it does last longer than a conventional air conditioning system the disadvantage and this is a huge disadvantage there's nobody to work on the darn things because hardly nobody knows how to do them other than the people who are selling them and putting them in. And so, like I said, 15 years ago, I would have looked at putting one in. Nowadays, I would go ductless or the mini split uh, instead. And you got tons of people who can work on it, and it's very cost-effective. Hello, Don. Hi, Jim. I got a question about a slab. Um, where the metal rods go through the slab, it looks like they used an inferior concrete or something that's just kind of in a few spots and it's gone. And you can see the rods, they're a little rusty. Do I need to get someone to look at it or can I just de-rust them and get some uh, concrete and patch it up? And this is around the outside of the concrete? Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah you'll want to clean it up, put a uh, rust inhibitor on there, and then use a concrete patch over it. Uh, okay. you, uh, don't use just regular concrete because it's porous enough that moisture will still go through and that thing will start rusting. And as it rusts, it expands and you know cracks up the concrete. Uh, so that's why you want that rust inhibitor on there. And then use a synthetic patch so it's denser and doesn't let moisture through it as easily. Okay. Can I ask one more question? Absolutely. Uh, I had a, a copper pipe break above my garage, and I replaced it with some shark bites and a piece of PEX, and I'm wondering about the shark bites. Do I need to put some uh, solder some fittings onto that, or think I'd be okay leaving those in there? I think you'll be okay leaving those in there. Wonderful. Thank you now, very much. The, the, sh- oh, the shark yeah. bites, I mean, some people even built their house with it, and I, I will tell you, I had two pipes break at my own house, and it has shark bites on it now. Wonderful. That's good to hear. Thank you very much. Take care. Now, I do like the sweat joint fittings and all that kind of stuff, 
But shark bites actually work extremely well, and it's a nice transition from, say, copper to a uh, PEX pipe and stuff like that. Let's head to Porter, Texas. Greg, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. Uh, well, yeah, they were. Uh, someone was asking about 22 kW generators, and I'm actually a service technician for the standby generators. Uh huh. Um, just to let people know that when they sell you a, say, a 22k, if you're on natural gas, you're actually only getting 20k. So it's going to go 22. Propane will will put out the whole 22, just because it burns hotter. No, so. see, I did. I did not know that. Yes, sir. And um, I was thinking about getting into sales on it, uh, but, but, yeah, people don't know that. And um, we ran into a lot of calls during the freeze. Not, I mean, during, but we couldn't run them because of the sure. roads and all that. But afterward, um, people were complaining their heat didn't run. Well, uh, I, I believe during the sales part, they said, no, we don't need the heater to run if it's electric. Yep. Well, and who would have expected them to shut the whole darn power times, system down on us? <laughs> yeah. The electric's going to put three times more uh, kilowatts on there than there is uh, just for two ACs, because you can manage the ACs and all that. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, if you're trying to run heat strips, that's using more power than an air conditioner does. Yeah, so, yeah they say three times more, which I believe, because, I mean... Pool heaters, if they're electric, um, you got to jump up to a big one. Yeah. So on the propane versus the uh, natural gas, let's say a a 22 kW unit, how much propane is it going through? I mean, what size tank do you need for that? Well, minimum for that one would be, I mean, for all of them actually, would be uh, 250 gallons. Okay. Um, you know that's what they that's what we recommend. And compared, and how to long could I expect gallons, that system? How long would I expect that system to run on that? Uh, it just depends on the size. Um, I've I've seen posts where you know the generator ran for thirteen days, and okay. and then um, you know it went out. Now I don't know what size propane right they have, which makes a big difference. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Because once that propane gets under 25%, it's basically going to have a hard time starting the generator and keeping it running. Over to Cypress. Rusty, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. A quick Hello. question, unusual question maybe. I listen to this all the time and I've never heard this question. A couple of years ago, we had our house redone with PEX pipe, the verticals and horizontals. And on the far end of the house, away from where the water enters the house, when the water is turned on, it's the outside faucet. If I just run it low, there's all kinds of banging noises that go on inside the house. And it only happens on that one faucet. So if I run it medium or full speed, it's not a problem. But if I just try to, yeah. to run it, it low... It'll, it'll start thumping. Da, 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 da. Absolutely. Yep. That's one of the washers in that va- in that uh, spigot. Okay. Has come loose. And when the water's flowing by, when it flows by at a certain speed, it sets that thing harmonizing. It starts shaking. And that, that little bitty quarter washer is making all that racket. 
Huh, is that something I can get to, or is it just easier to replace the little... Oh, no, you should be able to get to it. Uh, you shut the water off to the house and take the you know the nut underneath the the uh, on-off handle. Right. L- loosen it up, take the whole insides out, and it's going to be one of those, either that end one that's under the, uh, the uh, Phillips screw head or an O-ring that's higher up in it. But just replace the uh, washers and rings on it, put it back together, and you're done. David, how can I help you? Well, hey, I just heard you talking about the pipes, and my question is, uh, when you know you're going to have a freeze, because I'm not going to, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm, or I don't want to do this anymore. Can I just go out and turn the water off the meter and open the valves and bleed the line? Is there any danger in that? There, there is absolutely no danger in that, but you still want to insulate the pipes because you may not get all the water out of the pipes. There was quite a few people who did that, and. Uh, they still had some sections freeze and break on them because you know it had a belly in it or something. Oh, I was just thinking if you if you kept a valve open on, on your sink, turn the water off, and then open your valves, then the valve when it starts to freeze, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it freeze to where the opening is? Or nope. Uh, what it does, like say there's a pipe running across the attic, and there's a sag in it. The water sits in that sag, and it'll freeze at the two ends. So as it, as it's freezing towards the middle, that's where the pipe will break. Okay, okay. All righty. Well, thank you much. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, you still, still have to keep a, a pretty good eye on that stuff. James, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, Jim. Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your stance on solar panels on a roof? Uh, I see a lot of these ads. Go solar, don't go solar, you know. What, it, well, what, can, what should I look out for when uh, one of these uh, companies comes by and says, hey, we want to put solar panels on your roof? Because I'm kind of worried about them putting screws through my roof and then I got holes. Well, they're put on the roof all the time. Um, here's the thing you need to know, though, when they are put on a roof. When it comes time to re-roof, the panel's got to come off. The roof goes on, and they all get installed again. And that will not be covered on these free panels that they talk about and all that stuff. You'll be charged dearly to do that. So as long as you understand that part of it, there's not really a big problem with putting them on the roof. Okay, so uh, uh, put a brand-new roof on, and then you put solar panels on, but 20, 25 years, you're going to have to do it all over again, right? You are, and in 25 years, the panels are probably going to be junk and have to be replaced anyways. Okay, so yeah. don't put... And, and, and understand, um, when you buy solar panels, they do wear out. They're not a forever thing. And so typical lifespan is 25 to 30 years. And you know we're, we're, what, the way they try to sell them to you is we're going to reduce your energy bill enough to offset the cost of it and i'll be straight up rarely is that the case most of the time to offset the cost of it it's not only the reduction in energy use but also the tax credits you get and rebates from the power company and things all bundled together that offset it enough to justify the cost of solar solar is still relatively expensive to do it is coming down in price but it's not at the point yet where if you just outright bought the solar panels, 
put them up on the roof that it pays for itself. Okay, so, but if I were to go that route, if I got all the numbers to line up to where it would be beneficial, right. the first thing would be first would be to put a new roof on first. How old's your roof? Uh, seven to eight years, somewhere in there. You know, it, it, that's a little bit of a double-edged sword, and, he, and here's why I say that. Uh, yeah, you could put another roof on, but remember when, where the solar panels are? That part of the roof is protected anyways from the sun and, and all that stuff. So that area is going to last longer. It's all the rest of the areas that are going to wear out in the normal time. And, you know, if you got a 30-year shingle, typically it's good for about 15 years here in Texas. So if I was going to put solar panels on my home, I probably would do like you're talking about and make sure what kind of condition my roof is in first. And if I was hitting the 10-year mark, I'd put a new roof on first. Okay. Much appreciated. All right. Now, I, I will tell you one other thing. You know, you is always there? have the option to put an array in the backyard if you've got room for it. And there is a huge advantage to those in the, in the yard that way. Because they can be set up where they actually track with the sun. Where when they're on right. the roof, you're, you're at a fixed angle. But the ones in the yard, they can track with the sun and actually do produce more energy. Right, because you, you stay perpendicular to the light. Yep. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you much, sir. You bet. Take care, James. Uh, I will tell you. Yeah, if you haven't turned your AC system on yet, uh, you'll probably want to not do that while you're gone. In other words, you want to be home for several hours after you turn it on to let let the pipe go through and make sure you don't have a break in the uh, condensate line. Because my first thought was, oh, my main line must be plugged, and it's probably going into the pan, but the pan was dry, the overflow. So... It was the primary line, just had a little belly, held water, that froze and was enough to split the pipe open. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.